0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Time to welcome in Big T Thurl Bailey, jazz analyst on AT&T Sportsnet. Big T, good morning.
1: Hey, DJ. PK. How are
0: you guys? Good. Big T, is it ever going to end because I'm, I'm now of the opinion, I'm now of the opinion that your NC State basketball team is going to be celebrated forever. You just came out with a book. I just saw another show on TV about it. You got the uh, ESPN's got the every time there's downtime and it's called basketball season, they rerun it. Uh, do you feel like you're winning more than ever, even though you're not playing anymore?
1: Yeah, it does feel that way. I mean, it's it, it's it, it was a special occasion, and and it wasn't just the championship game as much as it was the journey to get there. And it just doesn't happen like that. I mean, nowadays it's, you know, you can probably pick champions just by talent. But when you end up in a situation that's, uh, you know, it's, it's the underdog, it's the ultimate underdog story. And you're, you've been a part of that. Those kind of things never really die. Never, never really get old. So, yeah, and that's what the book is really about, guys. It's it's about how people can, what people can learn from that journey and how they can develop their own uh, championship mindset, whether it's them as an individual or their their team, so to speak.
2: I've gained greater respect for you, Thurl, in the last month, and I want you to know that. And the reason why is because you praised, as a great Christmas movie, Elf. <laughs> It's one of the best, man. It is. I agree. Absolutely.
0: I didn't see it when it came out originally. I didn't know what all the deal was about, and then I saw it on video, and I don't know why people debate it. (laughs) It, It's got some great lines. People are like, well, the plot isn't really, and all that. Listen, they're not trying to make an Oscar winner here. You put it on for your kids. You have a few laughs. That's the bar it needs to clear. That's the bar it clears. Will Ferrell leaning into Santa and telling me sits on a throne of lies will always be funny. That's just funny. Well, you know, before that it wasn't that good. I don't care. It doesn't. That's not the point.
1: It's up there with, with Christmas Vacation, I think.
0: <laughs> right. I agree. Oh man! All right, we need to talk a little jazz basketball with you here, Big T. Uh, and watching uh, the start of this season, uh, we've seen uh, we've seen the Jazz look. Fantastic running the Spurs off the floor. Fantastic running the Blazers off the floor. We've also seen them just kinda lethargically just kind of slog their way through a horrible home loss to Minnesota. And then we've seen games that had been in between. The Clipper game was really pretty good. Not not awesome, but it was pretty good. Uh, and the Oklahoma City game was terrible until the end when they found a way to win it anyway, and you've got to play poorly and win some nights. Uh, so it's been all over the map. What do you make of this? What does it mean, if anything? Because it's been quite the roller coaster here out of the gate.
1: Well, it has, and I think that's really kind of expected. I mean, if you understand that even if you have spent time with each other in the past and the team hasn't changed that much, chemistry still something that, that has to be developed at a certain level uh, season by season. You've got some, a few new additions, but um, I, I think what we saw in that Portland game, well I, I, I feel like I know what we saw in that Portland game was really how the jazz want to play. Now that was almost, that was almost a perfect storm. The defense was great. Jazz were capitalizing on that. the threes were going in, got up over 53s. You're not going to see that every night. Uh, One, because uh, you have to give other teams credit, right? They're going to guard you better than other teams. Um, You're not going to hit shots every single night. But in talking to Joe, uh, he said that that's that's really the way we want to play. you know. And sometimes it doesn't work out that way based on the team and the matchups. But I expect that more times than not, you're going to see the Jazz up-tempo. They're going to have more opportunities if the defense is good for those kind of shots you saw against San Antonio and Portland. But um, but listen, it, it's, it's a small sample size, and we're not going to be able to say that for much longer. But I think the two games that we saw in Portland and San Antonio are very close to where the Jazz want to be.
2: Got to be loving what Conley's doing. It looks like he's finally comfortable, right?
1: He's very comfortable, and, and I think it started in the bubble. I think he would attest to that. Um, and... I don't think I was ever worried. I mean, it's always a difficult transition uh, when you've been at one in one place for a while, playing a different type of basketball. Um, it takes some a little longer than others, and plus, he had some injuries along the way. But he he knows basketball, and he's in a situation where Quinn is giving him kind of the freedom, uh, you know, on the pick and roll. If the defense goes under, he's supposed to shoot it. He's quick enough to maneuver himself and aggressive enough to get down in the paint. And if he doesn't have it, he can kick it out to, to guys who are spotted up. But um, especially at this stage of his career, it's really good to see him looking really, really comfortable with what's going on out there.
0: I actually thought it started earlier. I thought that um, the, the slow transition was predictable. I thought it went on a little longer than anyone expected. And then he got hurt. But... After he had a couple weeks to come back from the injury, if you check his numbers, go back and look like in February and the the portion of March that they played last year before everything stopped, I thought that his numbers then are exactly what the Jazz wanted when they got him. So to me, it's kind of like, well, of course he's good at this point. I mean, as long as he's healthy right? And the cliff will come. At some point you're in your 30s and you're a smaller guy so you lose some athleticism and you really get punished. So that moment's out there somewhere for everybody, but he's night in and night out. He's who he's supposed to be. He's not going to hit 33 every night, but he's going to have those nights. It seems like they can ham and egg it now a little bit. If everybody's on, they get the blowouts. If one guy has a big night, Bogey was really efficient in Oklahoma City and Conley had the night he went off for 33. Even with one guy going off, they... They're doing this with Donovan Mitchell shooting very poorly, and they're four and two. And in Mitchell's numbers and Bogey's numbers, uh, I can't even quote what Mitchell said about himself because y'all could have to dump it. You know, I mean, he was he had a very blunt, cutting edge Jerry Sloan word to sum up the way he's shooting the ball, and he's right. He's at thirty percent from three, and so's Bogey. But they're going to improve those numbers, and they're four and two right now. Well, I think
1: they'll take it, especially if, if they're winning, they're beating teams. I think you're going to need. Uh, that consistency, and, and, and you're right about Mike Conley. It did start before, but I think the consistency of it really, really hit uh, in the bubble, even though his numbers were good, and it seems like he's he's just really taken off from that point as well, but um, well, you're going to get those people that say even though the Jazz are winning, they're beating teams, well, what's wrong with Bogey or what's wrong with Donovan, and that I think that's That's what you get when you have a system that allows a lot of guys to succeed. You don't have to rely on on Donovan and Bogey every single night. However, I think as the season goes on, those guys have to find a way to put themselves in that system. And and Donovan's going to have to show on some games the Donovan we saw in the bubble. I mean, it's going to be, you know, and, and he can't, do it in a way that, that forces the issue, but the ball's going to be in his hands quite a bit. And, you know, obviously, Bogey's success, I think, is determined by how the Jazz play, how the ball moves. You know, he's not going to have the ball in his hands to, to say, well, i got to go get make something happen. He's got to be in that corner. He's got to come off screens. He's got to post up a little bit. So that's going to be really um, dependent upon how the other guys continue to keep him involved.
2: So Shaq has gone after uh, Gobert, you know, oh, 11 Shaq. points a game and all this stuff. And I think it's a bigger issue we we're discussing it earlier about not just Shaq taking shots. That's not don't really care about that. But the the issue that Gobert doesn't have as much of an effect on winning because he only averages 11 points or I think that's something that Gobert has had the battle perception-wise, for a good long time, and that the only way to understand, and I want your thought on this, is the only way to understand his value is to do like all of us do that are talking right now, is literally watch him every game.
1: Well, Shaq, I, as much as I love Shaq, he's kind of stuck in a time warp. The game is different. The game has changed. Um, how many post-ups does Shaq get Every night, uh-huh. how many plays were how many plays were called for Shaq?
0: <laughs> in, in, oh, one, in one stretch, as many as he wanted.
1: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. It's a different game. Rudy is that's not his job. The game has moved away from from big post ups, um, unless you have that kind of big that you that's anchoring your team. But um, you look at the game today and what Rudy brings to the table uh, as a defender and people don't put a lot of stock in defenders, right? It's all about the offense and high scores, but his presence alone changes the game. You know, his presence alone puts the mindset in guys who think they want to drive to the basket, and they'll challenge it every once in a while. But, um, you know, so I, I think there's a ton of value in that, and there's a ton of value in a guy who uh, who can – run the pick and roll and get tons of screen assists and be in the right place at the right time with his teammates to get high percentage shots. I mean, that's invaluable. And today it would have been valuable in, in the game in the past. Um, So, you know, Shaq is Shaq and I love him, but I don't think he's right in this situation because his mindset is really looking at him and how he performed uh, and what he would be able to do against Rudy.
0: Yeah, there's only one Shaq, though, so, and he's not playing. Right. So it doesn't right. it doesn't matter how Rudy would defend Shaq, because there's nobody like that. I mean, it's Shaq's one of a kind. Right. Uh, right. You know, you, you get a Wilt, you get a Shaq. All right, well. Let me know when there's another guy like one of those two coming on the horizon because it'll be the biggest thing and it'll change the way the game is played. Uh, I'm curious what you think of the Nets. We don't watch them that closely, obviously. Uh, they lost Dinwiddie. Now they've lost Durant for a week. They've got a coach who is a celebrity and a star, but he's coaching for the first time. It, it's a new deal, and he may end up very being very good, but I can't believe he's going to be very good tonight. What do you expect out of the Nets, Uh with all the things they've got going on?
1: Uh, you know, with Durant out, obviously, they they aren't going to be as good. But, you know, Kyrie's a, a great player. And, you know, he's going to be effective. It's a matter of if the Jazz are going to make stars out of other guys. Uh, it's, it's happened before. Um, so you can't really go into this game, obviously, as a player, thinking, you know, this... We're going we're gonna to walk through these guys based on how we've been playing. Um, but, you know, I think Brooklyn, healthy and with everybody. I mean, I, they're, they're going to be very competitive in the East. Um, you're right, though. I mean, it's it's going to be tough for, for them to be – find the success that they're looking for. But they're going to make some strides. I mean, I, I, I really think that they're good enough that, you know, they're going to be – they could be in that top four or five in the East with a healthy team and, and with what, what I'm seeing right now and, and how uh, Kyrie and Kevin play off of each other.
2: So we've had Joe Ingles on the show for seven years now, and asking him to shoot more is such a waste of time. I was telling DJ I'd rather get my teeth pulled with no Novocaine. That's not going to happen. He's not going to shoot more consistently. It's just not what his DNA is, and I get that. But I have got to have him be more involved offensively because I think that his skills to to facilitate are really top-notch. Uh, do you agree with that? absolutely agree
1: I absolutely agree with all of that and I also think that Joe not being in the locker room or, or knowing about conversation I think he's been told that and I think he's con- he's been conscious of that I think the last couple of games um, just because I I can see when he plays he's attacking more to the basket and he's he's not waiting he's getting into his three-point shots a little quicker. Um, And again, you know, other guys are playing well around him. It's kind of a gauge on, you know, how much I need to impose my slow-mo will on on people. Um, And, you know, he's coming off the bench this year. So along with uh, Jordan Clarkson, you know, he's going to be responsible for keeping that, keeping the game at try, hopefully at the, at the tempo that the starters do. Um, and he's going to finish a lot of games. So, you know, I don't disagree at all, PK, with, with that. You know, I think Joe gauges a lot more on what he feels like he needs to do in a specific game or what he can do against a specific opponent.
0: Has favors changed much since he left? Is he basically the same guy, or do you see some uh, some nuances, some things that are a little different?
1: Yeah, his braids, his braids are <laughs> okay. uh, pretty cool. No, <laughs> um, no, I, I see. Uh, I see a more mature, and you know, he spent a lot of years here. But when you go away, and a guy comes back, um, some of the things that he was really good at and you can see that he's even a touch better at and he it's like he appreciates it more and those things didn't happen in new orleans even in the short time that he was there uh, he still had his skills and he was i think he was effective had a great plus minus i think he and zion were the top two in plus minus category but um i just see a guy who outside of the the basketball i know you're asking about the basketball play he's he's in a place he wants to be and when you're that you enjoy playing you go out and you play hard and i think we saw in uh, you know the san antonio game that uh he's he's still an impact player especially when you have a guy like rudy who you know who goes out and whether he's in foul trouble or not he takes a breather you don't lose a lot right i mean. he He may not be overall as good a shot blocker as Rudy, but in some ways he's more effective because he's got, you know, a 5, 10, 15-foot jump shot uh, that he can draw the defense out. He's a good defender, and, and, you know, he's got a great relationship with the pick-and-roll guys, specifically Joe.
2: From a player perspective, Thurl, Going forward now for X number of years, I mean, way out there in the future, what do you think it's going to be like from the player perspective, playing for an owner who grew up as a fan of the team?
1: I think it's going to be great. You know, I, I of course, uh, my tenure was the Miller tenure, and and it was it was fantastic. I remember, I think we talked about before as a player when you're out there warming up in the post and you feel a, a, a you know a, a arm bar in your back and it, you turn around and it's the owner <laughs> and you know Larry was he was he was an amazing owner um, he was like that but he was the other side I mean John called him the white rhino with we lost games we shouldn't have you can hear him coming down the hallway to speak his piece in the locker room um and I asked Ryan that in an interview the other day and Asked him what kind of owner he was going to be. Was he going to, you know, be kind of a hands-on? And he said as close as he was going to get was where he was sitting during the interview. But I just feel like um, that he's going to bring a lot, you know, especially because he's a young guy. And, and I think the relationship that will end up forming between he and the players will be a really good one. Um, and not that it wasn't great with the Millers, but. You know, being closer in age and kind of being a fan, and I, I think the culture will be different. Um, and I'm not sure we're going to see a ton of changes as, as far as how the teams run, but I think his his stamp on it will be. I think the players will really enjoy um, that relationship with him. So I'm excited to see all the things over the course of you know his ownership that will that will uh, that will happen. But, uh, you know, it's 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 really refreshing to to talk to a guy who is homegrown here, understands the value of the jazz in this community, in this state and, and is really intent on making that the best for for the state.
0: You know, Big T, we, re, we started this off by talking about NC State and the championship run and it's uh it's crazy that all these years later, you went to school at NC State and you end up in Utah and Dave Rose went to Houston and he ended up in Utah and you're both in Utah County. It's not that you cross paths a lot, not that I'm aware of anyway, uh, but I'm sure the news, you got you do have a bit of a relationship with him going back to that game and the yep. news uh, of his stroke and that probably uh, hit you pretty hard, I assume.
1: It did. It did. And it all- Hits you when you obviously when you know someone personally. Um, besides him being a part of that basketball family, um, but he's a great man. I mean, I, we we've, we've had some great conversations over the years, and and he just I I I literally look I, I look up to him because he has gone through a lot, and um, you know any time that you know someone who has who has been on that journey. I mean, I my my college coach. Uh, Jimmy V was, it was probably the first time in my life that I had ever had someone close to me that, uh, you know, had cancer and was affected by it. Um, But Dave's been through a lot. And, you know, I didn't know him as a player as much, um, only knew him when he kept following me out there on the court. But um, I got (laughs) got to know him. I got to know him as you know, as a person and as a coach, and uh, as a matter of fact, I sent him kind of a video well wish with uh, Alema the other day, and and hope that uh, he can make a, a full recovery and get back to some kind of normalcy.
0: Well, we uh, we appreciate those thoughts, and the other thing I appreciate about this interview is that, as far as I know, you are the first person to go on the air with the White Rhino nickname. I had heard that, but I've never heard a player in the locker room go public with that. So thanks for that, yeah. Thurl.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was our locker room nickname, the white rhino, because we could hear him. He was hopping <laughs> and popping, and he came in, and, and Jerry knew it too because before Larry would even enter the locker room, Jerry would stop what he was saying and just take a couple steps back and just wait.
0: <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> that is classic. Now, I heard that there were other people that the bird that rode on the back, that rides on the back of the rhino, that, that somebody had that nickname. John had a lot of nicknames for people. I heard he yeah. was very good at that.
1: Yes. yes, he did. Oh, man. You're welcome. Good members, Good members. Thank you. Good
0: memories. All right. Thanks, Thurl. We appreciate it. All right, take care, guys. All right, DJ and PK, it's ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The zone, the white rhino man. You could hear him coming, PK. He's gonna burst through that door and give you a piece of his mind. That's a good yeah, that's visual. who he
2: was, and that's going to be interesting to see what Ryan Smith does. And it's not going to be right now because it's going to take some time. Yeah, and, and I'm interested to see how he deals. There's going to be emotional losses, and once you get in this business of sports, you're going to have very difficult losses. It's just a fact of life. You, you know, we Steve Cleveland with Dave Rose, we had great times. We had the highest of highs, the lowest of lows. That's just the nature of the business, right? Yeah. How's he going to react there? And then I'm also interested in how is he going to handle making tough decisions because you have to make tough decisions too now obviously he's made tough decisions in the business world probably a trillion times over this is a in the public realm of making tough decisions as a fan and but now you're an owner and all that stuff and it's going to be fascinating to see i have no doubt that he was he'll do it competently but in time whenever that time comes how is it going to be when it's time to move on from a player, get another coach, whatever it might be? Who knows?
0: So the interesting thing to me is, you know, that uh, we always talk about grading NBA players over 72 games. This year, about 82 games, you know, it's the whole consistency thing. As an owner, you have to make dozens and dozens and dozens, hundreds of public decisions. And inevitably, you're going to get some wrong. Because nobody bats I mean, a thousand, yeah, yeah. and right. then with yeah. the blowback on social media and the way it tends to get personal and blowback on your family, yeah. that will be really interesting. And it's going to happen. It isn't going to happen right away, probably. Um, you know, I guess the first hurdle is something could have happened with Rudy, but they signed him, so then it didn't, right? So, but a trade deadline or how do you react to a playoff loss? It's like we were talking about Brady. You know, nobody's won more than Tom Brady, but two out of three years he's in the NFL, he doesn't win the Super Bowl. One out of three he does, and he's off the charts. So you're going to have to deal with this over time, and it will be interesting when it gets to that. I mean, I I did think watching that first press conference they had when he couldn't take any questions, uh, but he did the joint press conference with Gail Miller, and Mm -hmm. Ryan's wife was so excited and so happy. And it's good because it's going to take up so much of his life. You want, you know, the family needs to enjoy it too, or it's really... Difficult, um, you know, but when they get hit with that blowback and negativity, um, you know, Chris Hill always talked about his wife couldn't go to the grocery store. You know, you got to go to the grocery store once or twice a week, but she couldn't go to the grocery store without hearing about Mac. It wasn't a popular decision firing him because everybody likes Ron McBride. It was the right decision. I like that show.
2: That was a great show. Everybody likes Ron McBride. Everybody likes Ron
0: McBride. And uh, not as successful as everybody loves Raymond, but it still had a good run. (laughs) Um, It was, you know, the things that the next two years with Urban were a dream, but they still had to go through this nightmare time uh, and his wife couldn't go to the grocery store. You know, so when Ryan has to go through that inevitably, even when you're making a right decision, if people don't realize it's right yet, man, it can really wear you out. So, all right, we'll see how that plays out. Time will tell.